0: Welcome to the Delaware National Guard podcast. I am Staff Sergeant Paul Thornton of the 166 Airlift Wing Public Affairs Team. Today, we're taking a journey down to Dover, Delaware, where the Innovative Readiness Training Program is in full swing. The Innovative Readiness Training Program, or as we refer to it as IRT, provides services such as basic medical and wellness exams, optical exams, and single vision prescription eyeglasses, as well as dental exams, extractions, and fillings. Services were provided to residents ages two and above who were uninsured, underinsured, or just plain in need of care. There's no cost for any services with our patients at IRT. The stories you will be hearing today are coming from real service members who have participated in the mission to hear their story and how this type of training has improved their capabilities in the field. My first discussion is with Lieutenant Colonel Joni Scott Weideman. She's from the 413th ASTS based out of Robbins Air Force Base.
1: Each IRT brings different value to different communities. For me personally, the reason I keep signing up is because I see the impact that we make in each community. I'm an optometrist, so I provide glasses and functionally it helps many people with their jobs or women at home sewing so functionally it it helps them and it puts such a big smile on their face. Over the years and the different IRTs the experience has allowed me to better train our airmen for different deployments in the future. It also allows me to get to know and work with other services so that I'll be more prepared when we are in a joint setting. Communication is key and that's very helpful to learn that over time. It also helps us to be better prepared for future IRTs. Being that I have experience, they have come to me for asking me questions in regard to equipment and manning. So whether, even if I'm not the OIC for that particular IRT, we all come together. I think we do a really good job, especially with optometry as far as communication across the services. Those of us who've done it multiple times know to contact each other when we're going on an IRT and say, hey, do you remember how we did this? What would you think would work here? I think for me um, and the other optometrist, this area, uh, based on the population, a lot of the younger kids have a lot of astigmatism. So they're squinting a lot. And um, just to see the difference that a pair of glasses, and with the new school year coming up and the fact that they were out during COVID, it may not have been realized um, that they needed the glasses, truthfully. And so uh, what we were experiencing is um, in this particular area, it will go in the after action report, of course, that the stigmatism was higher based on the population. So that does um, that's important to know to prepare for other missions in the future. But the impact that it's made on the children and getting ready for school, we've seen a lot of children, and that's great. And you, you just, the smile on their face is just amazing. The biggest thing that I take away from the mission is the impact functionally that glasses in my department can have on whether you're older or younger, just in your functional activities. But also I think the biggest impact for us is teaching across the services in our department because we have other medics in our department and just teaching some rudimentary eye basics and how to screen. And we talked a little bit about emergencies, things like that, that they can take out to the field. I think that's important. So working with other services across the board training them that's a, that's a big impact i feel like and it's going to be able to be expounded upon when they leave here i would encourage any service member whether you're a young service member or older service member have been in many years and haven't done an irt to sign up for one i think it'll help you grow personally because you can see the difference you make not only for the local community but you can see the difference that you make with younger airmen and teaching them it also helps you to learn to work with other services. There are several service members that have gone throughout their career that maybe have never deployed or have been in a joint setting and this is a good opportunity to learn to communicate better and again to learn from each other. So I definitely encourage, it doesn't matter what stage you are in your career, to sign up for an IRT.
0: I forgot to mention that the care site that we were at was actually an elementary school that was transformed in a matter of days into a fully functional medical, dental and optometry care site. This was all done through the efforts of the National Guard reservists and the local partners. My next story comes from Air Force Staff Sergeant Scott Four of the 153rd Medical Group out of Wyoming. Scott brings some special skills to the mission that help our
2: fellow Americans who have hearing and speech loss. This IRT is a phenomenal training experience. I like that it's working, working in uh, low income and in underserved and underprivileged populations uh, here in Delaware is simulating some of what I've already seen um, in combat zones, working at um, hospitals, combat support hospitals and uh, working in the field. Um, where sometimes uh, you're you're working uh, with just your component, sometimes you're working with uh, other branches of the military, you know, be that the Air Force or the the Army, the Marines, Navy, and so it's been a wonderful joint services exercise. Certainly learned a lot. I've worked uh, in various capacities. What I think surprised me the most was how I was actually able to use some of my civilian experience and expertise running my own business in Wyoming, but then getting to bring in some of that knowledge and some of that experience um, to support uh, our service members here during their training to give them the opportunity to see what it's like to work uh, with another culture in another environment, um, working with an underserved population. And, And that's similar to what I experienced previously in Iraq, working with, civilians or local nationals um, who don't have access to adequate health care. And on, I'll be honest, I was somewhat shocked that with what I am seeing here in the United States. And so to see the lack of accessibility uh, here in the United States is was a little bit eye-opening for me. I have been studying American Sign Language for 14 years actually almost 15 years. I started a long time ago back in community college. I truly just did not want to take Spanish again. I took it in high school and uh, I'll be honest, I was kind of looking for a way out from that. And after my first semester of American Sign Language, I just fell in love with the language and it was just eye-opening to me. I immediately, within one semester of taking ASL one. I went to the local school for the deaf in Southern California and uh, applied for a college internship position. And so I was a student aide there. And then I spent the next spent the next eight years off and on between military assignments, working there, learning the language, continuing to my college studies, learning American Sign Language over the last fourteen years, and I'm still learning. And even after fourteen years, I'm still not an expert. Um, I'm still. Um, not what I would use for interpreting in the medical environment or interpreting in a courtroom. I own and operate a private practice, a sign language agency, provide educational consulting uh, throughout the state of Wyoming, and be that with a local school district, uh, a law firm, a hospital system. And so I provide the interpreters that are needed for underserved communities and areas where people are told no, they can't have a sign language interpreter. Um, I refer them back to the Americans with Disabilities Act and provide appropriate training and education, not just to the hospitals, schools, agencies, and businesses, but also to the deaf individual because sometimes interpreters are gatekeepers and they have knowledge that Uh, perhaps a deaf person might not have. And so we tend to be that bridge between the hearing world and the deaf community. And so it was just phenomenal to be able to take that um, experience and apply that here in a simulated training environment. So it was a very rewarding opportunity to get to work uh, with uh, a deaf gentleman here. I think that many of the service members um, were really unaware. I mean, there's a lot of people who can live their whole lives and have never met a deaf person. And there's a lot of people who have deaf family members. Um, in fact, we do have an officer here who, at this exercise with us, who has a deaf family member. And then I personally don't have a deaf family member. I just learned from college and from the university. And so that's how I learned the language. But people in uniform aren't necessarily aware of various cultures. and. Um, And this is kind of a unique specialty. It's definitely um, not part of mainstream American culture. It's definitely a subculture here in the United States. Um, And these pockets of deaf people tend to reside closer to residential schools for the deaf, um, where there's a greater support system. But when you come out here to a place like Dover, Delaware, where there is more limited accessibility, there are fewer deaf people here. They don't tend to congregate here. They tend to isolate themselves. And so while services aren't readily available in the area here where we're at, it still may, had a huge and profound impact for uh, for this deaf gentleman who's currently struggling still to access healthcare previously before we arrived. And I imagine even for a time after, um, there will still be somewhat of a struggle after we leave, but fortunately, He was provided with the appropriate documentation that he needs to get the care, future care that he needs and brought, connected with an appropriate community resource. The service members here from all branches of the military, I think, were kind of astonished and, you know, they had their eyes opened and they were curious. They wanted to know more. They had a lot of questions about deafness. How did you become deaf? How did you learn sign language? Uh, They're curious what it's like between speech versus sign language. And um, there's just so much curiosity there that it's good to bring awareness to our um, men and women in the services. Um, it, It benefits them to further their understanding of various cultures because they may and very likely will find themselves in another culture at some point in their military career. Personally, IRT, has impacted me in the sense that I never really thought that my civilian skills would, word, would merge with my military skills. And so there was a little bit of a shock value there for me because um, the Defense Language Institute is, has very little interest in American Sign Language. Um, there is very little uh, political influence. Um, involved with that. Um, You know, there is not necessarily a country of deaf people. Um, However, there is an interesting history about an an island of deaf people a time ago, Um, but, um, or at least a specific gene. But I think that the Department of Defense um, just doesn't have a lot of general interest in American Sign Language, so it was just kind of shocking to me that that skill was able to be utilized uh, in an underserved community. I expected that it might happen, which is, which is why I was forthright with the chain of command and making sure that they were aware uh, that this could be a possibility and that they could reach out to me um, if uh, translation services were needed. But now it's kind of inspired me to continue with further follow-up um, and continue the discussion with the chain of command because there are IRT missions that happen all over the United States. And so I feel like this is a great opportunity to use my civilian skill set and my military skill set and just put the two together um, to benefit underserved communities in the United States, all the while training our men and women in service to prepare for uh, a deployed environment.
0: That wraps up today's episode. I would like to personally thank Staff Sergeant Ford and Lieutenant Colonel Scott Weidemann for sharing their IRT experiences with us today. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast channel so you can always stay up to date with new content and share this online with your friends in the community. Be sure to check out our next episode where we will have more conversations with service members who have participated in IRT.